As I'm sure you've been following, it's been a horrifying couple weeks with Israel, the settler colonial apartheid state, intensifying its violent dispossession of Palestinians. I'm honored tonight to welcome back to the program Faisal Saleh, founder of the Palestine Museum U.S., which is located in Woodbridge, Connecticut. The museum opened in April 2018 and stands as the most ambitious Palestinian media project in the United States. Faisal, welcome back to Mic Check. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, great to be with you. Thank you so much for joining me again on the program. And to start off, I wanted to check in with you about your family and extended family, friends, colleagues, um, loved ones in Palestine right now. Have you been able to touch base with them? Um, and do you know if everyone uh, is okay at this time? Uh, yes, uh, I don't have immediate family in, in Palestine right now. Uh, most of my family are in other uh, countries. Um, however, uh, I have uh, a lot of colleagues that I work with. Uh, these are uh, uh, Palestinian artists uh, in different parts of Palestine, like in uh, some are in Jerusalem, some are in Haifa, and uh, also, uh, a number of people in Gaza that I know very well that I talk to all the time, including uh, one of them is a member of our board of directors who uh, happened to be visiting. Uh, he just got married, and uh, uh, and he went back to Gaza to uh, spend a few days with his family. And uh, uh, 24 hours after he got there, this whole thing got uh, started. And, uh, so most people are okay. Uh, I spoke to uh, one of the artists, uh, lost uh, his brother, uh, was killed in one of the bombings. Uh, so that was very, uh, very sad and uh, unfortunate. Uh, I spoke yesterday to uh, the board of director member that we have in, in Gaza, uh, and uh, he he told me, and he says, I don't want sympathies from anybody. I don't want anybody to wish me. Uh, to be safe or anything, I want you to pick up the phone and call your senator and congressman or congresswoman and tell them to stop uh, Israel from doing this and to cut off the money that they fu they fund Israel with and uh, providing Israel with all the um, uh, weapons of mass destruction that, that Israel is, is really uh, using on, on all these civilians and, and destroying the uh, a very, very crowded uh, area. Uh, there are 2 million people living in a very small area. And just imagine when if you drop a 2,000-pound bomb on, on a building and you take out the entire building, it's like 13, 14 stories. You could imagine how much damage and how many people will be killed as a result of that. I mean, to, to Gaza, it's like each one of these bombs dropping is like a 9-11 uh, you know, where you see like the, the towers going down here, this is the, you know, in terms of the relation to the scale, uh, it, it, it's like a 9-11 uh, in, in Gaza, uh, where you see a 13-story building, that's an apartment building, disappear in, in, in a matter of like 30 seconds. Uh, so um, the uh, person I spoke to today, uh, he was a, a guest on our program. Uh, we connected... Uh, uh, through the internet, uh, the connection was not good enough to show video, but so we we talked, and I asked him what's going on. He says, "Well, uh, last night there was some very heavy bombing uh, of the area where where we lived. He lived in an area called the Rimal, 
which means sands. Uh, and he said he had to move uh, to uh, another area, which was uh, it's called a shelter refugee camp, which is on the west side of Gaza, uh, because that other area was getting uh, a lot of attacks. And he, he was afraid if they stayed where they were living, that, they, that, that they'll be next. Uh, so they, they're living with somebody else elsewhere. And they're just concerned uh, that uh, in Gaza, at any time, you could a bomb could drop next to you and, and you're gone. Uh, so it, it is a very disturbing situation. It, it's heartbreaking to see uh, the pictures of people pulled out of these rubbles. They're pulling them out in bits and pieces. That uh, uh, it's a gruesome, gruesome sight. Uh, they really don't have the the medical facilities to treat all these people. Uh, and uh, one thing that we uh, need to keep in mind that Gaza has been under siege by Israel, uh, an embargo of, of goods and services that are tightly controlled for the last 15 years. So the people there uh, are really fed up. And they, they tell us, we just want this to be over. We don't care. Bomb us all, kill us all. We've had enough. You know, we, we're... we're you're killing us uh, very slowly, day by day by day, over 15 years. Now, might as well get her over with. Uh, people are really, really tired and fed up with, with what Israel is doing now. Well, thank you for, for everything that you just shared, Faisal. And and my heart goes out to the, the artist's family, um, the artist who lost his brother that you mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. I'm so sorry to hear about that. Um, and I, I wanted to to uh, lift up the the solidarity protests that have been taking place all over the world, um, mm -hmm. and especially uh, yesterday to coincide with uh, Nakba Day. And so I was wondering um, if you could talk a little bit about the the significance of yesterday and its its meaning and. The, the Nakba, what happened, what it represents, and what people should remember as they see what's happening today. Well, the, the Nakba day is the anniversary of the date when the state of Israel was created uh, on May 15th, 1948. And uh, the, the, that date is the culmination of about 60, 60 70 years of development uh, that started uh in the late 19th century with the establishment of the Zionist movement. And the Zionist movement is a political movement uh, with the aim of creating a national homeland uh, for the Jewish people. Uh, and uh, that movement started uh, by having uh, uh, Jews from around the world immigrate to Palestine. Uh, and uh, they uh, were assisted uh, by the British government, who had uh, a mandate from the League of Nations to uh, to colonize uh, Palestine, uh, starting about like 19, uh, 1917 or 18, after at the end of the World War, when when the Allies um, beat. Uh, defeated uh, the Ottoman Empire and divided up its its uh, territories. Uh, the British uh, were very sympathetic uh, uh, with with the Jewish movement, with the, um, the Zionist movement, and uh, assisted them uh, basically over a period of 30 years. Uh, 
uh, either looking the other way or either or actively uh, enabling them uh, to immigrate to Palestine uh, and to uh, build uh, their own state. And eventually, in 1948, uh, they were able to take over uh, a good part of Palestine, declare their own state, and basically uh, drove drove out the Palestinians from from their homes and villages, destroyed 500 villages so that nobody could go back to them. And uh, the result of that, there were uh, over 750,000 Palestinian refugees in 1948, they were driven to uh, the West Bank, to the Gaza area, to parts of Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon. Uh, and Israel refused to allow them to go back to their homes, even though that their homes were still existing. Instead, they brought Jewish immigrants from around the world, and they gave them the Palestinians' homes and the furniture that belongs to the Palestinians. All the Palestinians' properties and land was given to people who just came in uh, and uh, that's what happened, and that's what's called Nakba, which means disaster in Arabic. So the Palestinians mark that uh, as a day that stands in infamy uh, and uh, see it uh, as a reminder that, that, that they uh, uh, have been uh, have suffered a great injustice, and today, till, until today, they are suffering the result of losing their homeland and losing all their properties and all belongings. And all Palestinians want to go back uh, to their homeland. They want to go back to those villages and towns and cities where they lived and where they were unjustifiably driven out of those lands. Basically, Palestine was was stolen from under their feet by the Zionists and their colonial supporters. And it seems like the the Nakba really encapsulates why the Palestine Museum U.S. is so important and so needed in preserving the legacy, culture, and identity of the Palestinian people. Rashida Tlaib, uh, in her powerful speech from the House floor on Thursday, said, quote, I am a reminder to colleagues that Palestinians do indeed exist. More than ever, Faisal, the, the work you're doing is urgent and vital. I was wondering if you could talk yeah. about how the Palestine Museum U.S. got started um, and the mission and, and the work um, that you have dedicated yourself to. Yeah, as, as you alluded, uh, uh, Israel has been trying to erase uh, the word Palestine and to pretend there are no Palestinians. And the people who remained uh, within Israel's control uh, after '48, the ones who were not driven out, uh, uh, Israel refers to them as Israeli Arabs, uh, and they they don't they don't use the word Palestine. They they don't they, they don't they say Palestine doesn't exist and never existed. Uh, so the the idea behind the museum is first of all uh, that there was not a single Palestinian museum in the Western Hemisphere uh, when we opened this museum in 2018. So we are the first the first Palestinian museum in the Western Hemisphere. So there was a great vacuum, uh, uh, lack of information. Uh, uh, about, uh, you know, P- Palestine and Palestinian history and Palestinian arts. Uh, and uh, 
so that that was a uh, it was a need uh, for uh, having uh, a museum uh, that can uh, educate uh, and make people aware uh, of what Palestine is, who the Palestinians are, what is their history like, and what is their culture, uh, and and uh, the museum's mission is really to tell the Palestinian story through the arts. We believe that uh, arts uh, are uh, the art is the best way to communicate with people because it's a universal language. It doesn't need translation, uh, and the, the Palestinian arts uh, are varied, and they really speak for who the Palestinians are. And it's the best way is the best way to learn about the Palestinians is to look at their arts. And we've identified at least a dozen uh, forms of Palestinian arts that the museum is really um, celebrating or uh, exhibiting and, and making people aware of. So, and so in addition to traditional uh, paintings uh, of, of different uh, paint styles, uh, you know, we have, uh, we talk about sculptures, uh, we talk about photography. Um, uh, we, we talk about music, uh, um, film, uh, um, cuisine, uh, and there's also the textile arts, which with the embroidery and the uh, the famous Palestinian uh, soaps or dresses that are embroidered uh, heavily. Uh, so uh, there, there are 12 different Palestinian arts uh, that we focus on, and we we provide uh, exhibits about uh, a lot of them, and we, we do events uh, that uh, showcase the Palestinian talent there. Uh, over the years, the uh, the Western media in general, the American media in particular, has has either had either ignored Palestinians. And when they didn't ignore them, they really cast them in a negative light. Uh, basically, they cast us as a bunch of terrorists uh, or helpless victims. Uh, and uh, that's not really uh, how we like to be portrayed. Uh, so uh, our job is to really show the American people and show the world uh, that we're human beings uh, and we're like anybody else. We are not terrorists, and we are. We have artists uh, that produce very sophisticated uh, works. Uh, we have a lot of talented musicians. We have opera singers. We have actors in theater, uh, and we have a very vibrant culture that existed uh, for hundreds of years and continue to exist now, despite the displacement of the Palestinians and the loss of land. And despite the Nakba, uh, the Palestinians uh, in, in their refugee camps continue to produce uh, incredible art. Even the one, Gaza has about 2,000 artists uh, in that part of the world where life is very difficult, yet these artists are producing magnificent works uh, in a variety of, of, of areas. Uh, so we want the world to learn more about Palestinians and learn about their arts and who they are as a people. Because once they do that, uh, it changes the equation completely. Uh, uh, Israel had benefited from 
the lack of knowledge that the Americans had uh, about Palestinians. And uh, Israel made sure that that the American media does not really cover things about Palestine, except when it really had to. So for the last several months, there was no coverage of, of anything about Palestine, except for the last week or two, when things got really out of hand. And the, the, the um, main media, the mainstream media, had to cover what was going on in Palestine. Uh, and and they basically, there were two things going on. One, there was a crisis in, in a neighborhood, a Palestinian neighborhood in Jerusalem, uh, uh, where uh, some Israeli settlers were trying to kick out, you know, 50 families out of their homes and take over their homes, claiming that these homes uh, historically was, was promised to them by God um, 2,000 years ago, and, and then the people living in them don't have a right to live in them. Uh, when in fact, those people living in them, they've been living in them for, for, for many, many years and generations. Uh, and uh, that crisis resulted in a lot of uh, attacks on, on these Palestinian families who were living in, in there. And, and obviously, Palestinians uh, in the West Bank and in other places, um, they um, demonstrated and protested against, you know, the this unjust act of trying to take people's homes and, and, and throw them out for no fault of their own. These people have not done anything. They have not committed any uh, any violations of anything. And all of a sudden, you come and you want to kick them out of their homes and throw 50 families out and take their land and turn it over for free to settlers. Uh, these are settlers that came from other countries. And they, they, want, they come in there and they take over these. And the settlers go around um, doing all kinds of things. They're not subject to any law that we know of, and they carry weapons, and, and they can uh, terrorize Palestinians. And the police uh, just looks the other way and, and doesn't do anything to protect uh, Palestinians who are not armed, who are in some cases considered citizens of Israel, in other cases considered you know, residents of occupied areas that Israel is responsible for. So Israel does not provide any protection for these people from those irregular bands of, of settlers uh, that go around burning uh, olive trees and uprooting the trees and and, and uh, harming the, the livestock and the sheep and sending their dogs to to tear up the, the sheep that the Palestinian farmers have. So th there are millions and millions of things that Israel is doing in the occupied territories uh, that exactly translates to apartheid. Uh, Israel, in Israel, there are basically two classes of people. There is the Jewish population of Israel, and they're entitled to all kinds of rights and privileges. And there are those who are not Jewish, and uh, they, their rights are abridged, and they, they have certain, uh, they don't have the same rights. Uh, in, in, in areas where Israel controls the West Bank, where they have uh, a few million Palestinians live between that and Gaza, uh, there are roads that Palestinians can't ride on. They're only preserved for Israeli Jews. Uh, the, the Israel steals the water uh, that the farmers need and uses it to uh, 
fill up swimming pools and fountains in the Israeli settlements that they, that they allowed to be built throughout the Palestinian territories that were occupied by Israel. Uh, and Palestinians have to go through checkpoints to go from one place to another. Uh, the life is, is, is miserable under Israeli control. And it's very clear uh, that they're not the same kind of people that Israel looks at favorably. And they're, uh, it's the same model that South Africa had. Uh, I think Israel has taken that to a, a couple of levels of, of perfection above the South African model. Thank you for everything you just said, Faisal. And we have just a, a few minutes left now. Um, and so I know that, that yesterday kicked off Palestine Art Week, which is a, a collaborative um, project that the Palestine Museum U.S. is involved with in conjunction with other groups and partner organizations, um, and it's going until May 21st. Um, could you share? Yes. Could you speak briefly about what, what is Palestine Art Week and, and what is taking place? Yeah. Uh, Palestine Art Week is, is a celebration of Palestinian art. So we we have set up about 25 different events. Uh, uh, for instance, we have seven uh, documentary films that are being screened during the week. Uh, uh, we've had uh, artist uh, interviews with uh, some of the key Palestinian artists, and uh, we there are a couple of uh, uh, cooking uh, shows. Uh, Involving cooking uh, uh, Palestinian dishes, um, uh, there, there uh, are a variety of other activities. We have two plays that are going to be performed live uh, on Zoom, uh, and we have a, a talk about Palestinian architecture, uh, something about Palestinian dance. We've had uh, uh, two musicians. Uh, uh, participate in performances uh, remotely online. Uh, so th that's what the Art Week is. It's a concentrated uh, uh, exhibition of Palestinian arts. And, and it's all online. And it's available. For, attendance is free. And it's open to the public. And how can, how can our listeners uh, find out more about Palestine Art Week? Yeah, they can just go to our website, which is palestinemuseum.us. Uh, and then there, there is a, a post on the, on the homepage for Palestine Art Week. They can also put slash P-A-W, Palestine Art Week, and that will take them to the, to the Art Week page where they can see more information, look at the schedule of events, and, and register for that. And, and it's done through the Zoom webinar platform. And uh, and Palestine Museum U.S. is on social media as well, correct? Yes, on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, and uh, on Facebook and Instagram, it's palestinemuseum.us. Um, on Twitter is palmuseumus. Because Twitter doesn't give you as many characters for the name. And what are some ways that our listeners can su support the Palestinian people 
um, whether they're here living in Connecticut or wherever they're living and listening from, um, what would you say are the, the best ways right now um, that you would recommend for folks to take action in support of the Palestinian people? Well, first of all, uh, to uh, learn more about Palestine and Palestinians uh, and then share what you learn with other people so that you create awareness among your contacts and your friends about Palestine. Whatever you learn, you share it with them. And eventually, once you have a good fix on what the issues are that Palestinians face, is to to make your views known uh, to your uh, legislative representatives uh, in Congress. You know, senators write, send emails uh, to to your congressman and to your senator uh, on uh, on behalf of, of Palestinians and and trying to get the U.S. government to to change its policy of blindly supporting Israel. Uh, no matter what Israel is doing. All these bombs that are falling on Gaza were provided to Israel by the United States. Uh, the airplanes that are dropping the bombs are airplanes that the U.S. provided to Israel. Israel receives $3.5 billion worth of uh, grants each year. Uh, most of it is for weapons. Uh, and most of these weapons are weapons of mass destruction. Uh, they are not weapons of, of, of defending oneself. Um, and uh, the, uh, uh, you know, the, Israel is using these weapons uh, to, you know, uh, using Gaza as, as testing ground for their weapon technology. Uh, Gaza is under siege and, and nothing comes in and out of Gaza without Israel knows about it. But the the Palestinians in Gaza have become so innovative in, in living with this condition for 15 years <clears throat> to the point where they can manufacture their own crude missiles uh, from metal, scrap metals, from, from the scrap of Israeli bombs that fall down and things like that. And uh, it's an unbelievable situation there, what people are forced to do. And people are using horse buggies to transport things because they can't get cars in there. Hey, Faisal. Uh, Faisal, unfortunately, we, we're, we're running out of time. Um, again, thank you yeah. so much. Faisal Saleh, founder of Palestine Museum US, uh, located in, in Woodbridge right here in Connecticut. Thank you so much again for joining me here on Mike Check.